0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory
1: to you, Christ.
0: Jesus and his disciples passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the son of man is to be betrayed into human hands and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying. And were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent. For on the way, they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them. And taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise you, Lord Christ.
1: In the name of a triune God of love. Amen. that description of a capable wife in today's first reading that Denny read so beautifully might, on first hearing, seem a bit sexist. (laughs) Or at least a bit over the top in regards to our expectations of the female gender. That said, taken in its historical context, I think it is an extraordinary reading, not just of the actual agency of women 3,000 years ago, but as a description of discipleship. There is, as you may know, a traditional theological metaphor that compares Jesus and the church to a husband and a wife. In today's social context, this can be a little problematic, but bear with me. The intimacy that God invites us into through Christ and the deep work of discipleship that we embark upon with Christ may very well be quite like a human marriage. As disciples, are we like Proverbs capable wife, trustworthy, kind, hardworking, strong, strong? open to the needs of the poor, dignified, wise, kind, happy, and worthy of praise? Yeah, sure. If you catch us on a good day, we can be those things, right? But we are called to be even more than that. Our psalm today tells us to delight and meditate in the law of the Lord, to be like trees planted near the water, bearing fruit, not withering, to be righteous and not wicked. And then our epistle adds to the list of goals. We are to be wise and understanding, doing good works with gentleness, having no bitter envy or selfish ambition in our hearts, not boasting or being false to the truth, having wisdom from above that is peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, with no partiality or hypocrisy. How much do I want every single presidential candidate to read this letter? (laughs) So these lists, these expectations, they strain us, they stretch us. But I think together we can attain to these things here and there in life. You may have more success than I, which is why we need all of us working together to be disciples. These three readings from Proverbs, Psalms, and James can make us feel that discipleship is about perfection, And we know full well that we are not perfect, especially when the challenges of our lives throw us into survival mode. We also know that expectations of perfection hoisted upon people by religion throughout the ages has led to judgments, disappointment, shame, and worst of all, the loss of relationship between God and God's people. If God expected all those things of us all the time, it would be very difficult indeed to continue in a relationship with that God. But what if God is more loving and realistic than that, which I believe God is? What if we are given all these descriptions of perfect goodness, not as expectations or requirements, but as a compass? As a direction toward which to steer our course, recalibrate our goals, to reset our sights when life throws us inevitably off course and out of line. What if discipleship isn't about being perfectly good, wise, generous, righteous, pious, or strong, but about setting our sights in the general direction of those things? Because without some description of our ideal potential as disciples, we are perhaps left directionless, lost within our human limitations. And speaking of human limitations, every time I read stories of Jesus' companions, the disciples of his time, I am struck by how very limited their ability to understand Jesus was. Last week... We heard Jesus tell his disciples for the first time that he was going to die. And this week, we hear him tell them the same thing again. Hey, guys, I'm not sure if you understood me the first time I told you, so I'm going to have to tell you again. I am not going to overthrow the Roman Empire as you had hoped. I am actually going to be betrayed into human hands. And I'm going to be killed. Honestly, I think I would be as thick-headed as the disciples in that moment. How does one respond to such information? Apparently, through blatant denial. And one handy way to be in denial is to choose something petty to argue about, which is exactly what the disciples did. Which one of us is the greatest? which makes me think simultaneously of fights on the kindergarten playground and some of the political debates that have been filling our newsreel as of late, neither of which necessarily embody Christian discipleship at its best. So Jesus has just told the disciples that he was going to be betrayed into human hands, and now they are fighting about who among them is best. Who perhaps was the least likely to be capable of betraying the Messiah? I wonder if the lesson Jesus offers them next is actually a lesson in how not to be the one to betray him. And still today he is teaching us how not to be the one to betray him in our routine betrayals of one another for the sake of our own ease, comfort, and ambitions. Picking up a child, truly the least of those who mattered in the first century, Jesus told his disciples that the way to be the best is to welcome in the least. Diplomas, degrees, doctorates, honors, promotions, publications, gold medals, lengthy resumes, and fame, these things are nothing. When fostering discipleship, we need to expand ourselves in one category and one category alone. Love. Our focal point of that love needs to be those who are easiest for us to ignore. Do we love those who are most unlike us? Those who make us the most uncomfortable? Those who make no noise to get our attention? Those suffering in the photos on our newsfeed who make us feel so ill-equipped to do anything to ease the pain? Do we love them in our hearts and with whatever resources and actions we can muster forth? Can we look at these first three readings that we heard today and use those descriptors as personal and communal goals that we reach for with the intention of equipping ourselves for the real work of God in the world, the real work of self-sacrificing, radical, irrational love. I know that I fall short of this every day, that my avoidance of populations who challenge me is in effect an act of betrayal to Jesus and to the love that he taught us. I also know that when I am here with you all, I feel the strength of a powerful love growing in me, in us, the kind of love that makes us together into disciples, and equipped by that love, We can take one step in the right direction today, and we can take another step tomorrow, and another step the next day, and so on and so forth. We can, with great effort and intentionality, prayer and discernment, respect and love, take step after step closer to people who need us to do just that people whose society sees as least and last, and who Jesus calls us to see as part of Him. And I think we can do this, because I don't believe that God would call us into discipleship and tell us exactly what to do as disciples without also equipping us to do those things. I could not bear to live in a world that contains so much pain. I could not bear to keep breathing after watching children in the news, not breathing. I could not bear to know anything of the pain that has ejected thousands of refugees from war torn countries like Syria. I could not bear to hold in my heart. People who are terminally ill or in great pain. I could not bear to raise two children in this world. If I did not trust in Jesus's presence with us and in our very real ability to partner with him, to be his disciples and to do what needs to be done to move our world one step closer to the global community God dreams of. Where hunger, violence and hatred have lost all power. The first thing said about the capable wife in Proverbs is that she is more precious than jewels. We, in this odd sort of marriage with God, are more precious than jewels. And so is each and every soul in this aching world. When we leave here today, let us go forth treating one another as such. Let us be disciples putting one foot in front of the other in the direction of a life that is good and just and loving, worthy of praise and powerful beyond our understanding. And let us remember that while much is asked of us, we are not for one moment left to labor without a strong and able partner. Jesus Christ, our companion and redeemer. Amen.